All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Hobby Board Gaming Podcast. It's June 3rd, 2018. Sponsored in part by the Dice Tower Convention and Quick Simple Fun Games, supported by Grand Con. In complete transparency, Brian Lenz runs the Grand Con Gaming Convention. Patrick and Alan run the Dice Tower Convention, and Patrick also runs QSF Games. If Anna ever shows up, she's an artist and a Twitch streamer. Now, our main topic for today is starting a gaming group. Now, Brian, why don't you tell us a little bit about your gaming group and how you got it started? Yes, uh, West Michigan Tabletop Gamers is the name of uh, my game group here in Michigan, and uh, hence the name. It'd be odd if I was in Oregon, uh, but... Uh, uh, how I started was um, uh, just, you know, it was kind of a little pebble in the pond. I wanted to find other uh, hobby gamers or gamers in the area that had like interests. And I discovered a wonderful um, internet-based tool called meetup.com, which is a host to uh, hundreds of other types of uh, social interactive groups, um, kayaking, biking, things of that nature. So utilizing that tool, I had set up my group, West Michigan Tabletop, and uh, just started, you know, slowly recruiting, asking friends if they wanted to be part of it, and uh, so on and so forth. And then um, from that point is when we started creating, uh, you know, destination calendar events. And it's a, that's essentially what it is, is a calendar event-driven system where you can RSVP, and there's a few other controls in it too. But that's how I started my group uh, back in 2011. Um, you know, I didn't see like Yahoo and of course Yahoo, you run into a lot of, uh, situations of spamming and, uh, hacking and things more so than some of these other places. Um, but I really didn't see, you know, making a guild on BGG is a little limited. Uh, in some cases, uh, it's a little easier to drive people to meet up than it is to some of these, um, premier destination sites, if you will. Meetups become a pretty premier, uh, destination point too, but, um, so that's, well, but Meetup, I think, has a lot of different people that go there looking for stuff to do. This is true, yeah. I mean, on Board Game Geek and Facebook, people pretty much have to know about your guild or else it's not going to do them any good. Right, right. I mean, Alan, how did you, how did you come to find, um, uh, you know, Patrick? So, I mean, did you guys meet originally that way or was it through the Dice Tower Con? I, I'm just curious on that, on that, uh, on that aspect. It was through the game. It was through the game group. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, we actually learned of the game group by word of mouth, my wife and I. And then when it came down to it, as far as everything's considered with the with the game group, you know, Meetup's great. Um, Meetup over, say, like like you were saying, the guild on uh, on BGG. The guilds on BGG. I, first of all, BGG. I don't like. I don't like messing with it unless I have to. Second of all, um, meetup groups or the meetup.com. It's you're you're searching by area. You can't do that on on BGG or any of the others that that I know of. So you find stuff that's within X amount of miles from you. And so that's that. I think that's what really drives the benefit of of having Meetup.com. Well, and like when we originally moved to Florida in two thousand and nine, and couldn't really find any other gaming groups, as soon as we started up Meetup.com, 
a lot of the other people that had moved to Florida recently were looking for places to go and people to meet that had similar interests. And that's why meetup.com was such a fantastic thing for us. I mean, now we have a guild on BGG and a Facebook page, but meetup is dr still driving most of our people to the group other than word of mouth. Yeah. So, you know, coming back to how I started, I mean, that's how I started. And it obviously uh, you two discovered each other that way and many other folks as well. And it's been a nice driving force uh, for that. It's an easy thing to point people to. Originally, I had, um, you know, cards or table toppers made up that I'd go to, you know, X XYZ event and, and hand out cards or put up table toppers and then people would walk by and inquire about that. And it's just, it's an easy, it's an easy place to point them to. And I, I think that um, um, it's, it was not as intimidating as like Alan, you were saying BGG, BGG can be a little overbearing or intimidating when you've never been there or if you just want to go there in general there's a, there's so much information compiled into that website that you could easily get distracted or lost well um, if you think about it i mean when we first started playing this is six seven years ago bgg hadn't even gone through its second uh second stage of re um reinvent uh, you know they went back through and they reinvented and remodeled the website. It was still the the database form, and it was really just clunky. And I I would never have been able to find anything there. I have a hard enough time trying to find guilds. I didn't even know we had a guild for our group on there now. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm a terrible well, co-organizer. So, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of people contribute to our group. I mean, we have over 1,300 people theoretically right. in it, you know, and, and letting other people contribute to the group also helps keep it alive and fresh. That is true. Yeah, it, it, it does. And um, it, you can, uh, it definitely, it definitely helps to grow it as well by having folks uh, active and talking about it. And then, of course, the hobby industries. Uh, since I since I reintroduced myself uh, to it uh, ten years ago, if you will, um, it's it's growing leaps and bounds uh, year over year in the past three years alone. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Um, but it's super cool. Meetup is the way I've chosen to uh, start up a group, and um, it's been a, it's been a wonderful it's been a wonderful ride uh, up until this point, and it, I hope it continues to just keep. Um, moving on up and you know I made some fantastic friends through that and and some great connections it's a great place to network you get to know a lot of people in your community um, it's just it's just a fantastic uh, tool in my opinion well in addition well I agree and I, I think go ahead. I just think for a lot of people when you're starting a group that's the easiest way to go to be able to advertise yourself to people looking for what you want to do. Uh, I was go just going to say, in addition to our meetup, though, we, we kind of supplement it with the, the Facebook group so that we can have our, our discussions and such on that Facebook group. Because the meetup group, meetup.com is good for a lot of things, but uh, the interface for, for communication as far as just social forums and threads on certain topics isn't as, as easily accessible. So 
like I said, we supplement with Facebook. And that, that seems to reach a, a group of people, too. Yeah, well, I mean, they needed to know about Facebook. But the big thing about Meetup is that when people go, like, I signed up for, like, 25 groups when we first moved here, just looking for other people to do stuff with. And a lot of these groups just weren't for me, but I kept getting emails from them. So eventually, I just turned off, like, email notifications just because I was getting so many emails about things that, really i just wasn't interested in yeah that's a that's a uh an interesting path to discuss with meetup so for those out there that are listening and are part of uh either uh patrick allen's group or even my group um it, you know it's it's an educational piece too which is very hard to communicate to folks especially if they've already turned off their email notifications but you can go in there and actually control exactly what you want to see and don't want to see and I know a lot of folks like, oh, I don't get emails anymore because I just shut it off. And I'm, I'm, and I say to them, I said, you realize you can control like if you want to see the monthly newsletter, or if you want to see just the events that you RSVP to. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that Meetup has done over the years to improve uh, the user experience to help uh, mitigate. A bazillion emails that you can get because I mean if you leave it all open you'll get an email for every time someone RSVPs or they set up an event or they do a discussion or they you know anything that happens through meetup through any of the groups that you're part of uh, you just you're bombarded with emails and I can understand why you're like whoa <laughs> time to shut that down but uh, that's a piece that I, I try to uh, communicate to folks that that uh, didn't realize that, that you can go in and actually each group that you're a part of, you can tell it what emails specifically you want to receive if you want to receive them at all. So that does help um, clear that traffic a little bit. It helps open up the, uh, the pathway uh, to be a little bit uh, more freeing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and I've been, I had to turn it back on when we were running the group because people would say, oh, I sent you a message on Meetup. But because I wasn't getting any of the things, I didn't see it. So I had to go back in and basically like turn off emails for every group except for the Brandon Board Gamers, which is the group Alan and I run, which is in East Tampa. And, you know, then I was getting stuff. And, you know, still some people insist on using Meetup as their form of communication. But most people now know to email me or to Facebook message me. Yeah, I think that's something that you could clarify. Unfortunately, if you try and email them that through Meetup, it's like, so it's uh, between a rock and a hard place sometimes because you want to say, hey, folks, if you want to contact, we do have a Facebook group. But then you know, all of a sudden you realize 80% of those people aren't getting that email anyway. So then how do you communicate? Uh, once again, that I think that really just drives the point home that Meetup's a great place to list your events. And then once you know your regulars and then you know some of the outliers that come on a regular basis um then you just you can communicate word of mouth or through some other method but just letting you know hey like alan said you know facebook's been a great way to communicate um for specifics you know whether it be when we're going to meet next what do we want to do next and then you pop that up on the event calendar for meetup if you're going to run any you know charity drives or whatever it is you know 
Right. I mean, we have, you know, several different meetups every week and, you know, they're in different locations and parts of the city. I mean, so meetup is still the best place to go to see the whole calendar, but Facebook is where most of the active members go. Like we have 360 something members in our Facebook group and that's where a lot of people interact. Nice. Yeah. I, and that's where I fall short on. I have a, my Facebook group is almost 600 members now. And some of those folks aren't even part of the meetup, which I try to make that point known. You know, I have a, I have a pinpoint that's uh, stuck up on mine that says, Hey, you know, please sign up for meetup group. Um, but, uh, that's where I've been falling short. So I, I get back up on that horse and make sure I, I start some better communication that way. Cause I, I tend myself to use meetup. Like if uh, I'm the kind of, individual that if if this is the tool to use that's the tool i go to all the time <laughs> instead of uh three four different sources i you know so um something i just gotta break myself of and get used to that there's multiple ways to talk with each other and some are better than others well and brian i'm sure you understand some of the the issues we go through with like even dice tower convention i mean i'll have posted it on the website sent an email to everybody you know, posted it in our Facebook page and our Facebook group, tweeted it, put it on our Instagram page. <laughs> and people, you know, will still say, well, you never contacted me about <laughs> right. that. Like smoke signals. Well, uh, I was going to say, don't forget about uh, hiring a skywriter. <laughs> right. Alan's out flying his plane with a, with a tail out there. Skywriter. <laughs> everybody so when people say that stuff to me i always just look at them and go well hopefully you'll check your email next time <laughs> yes i it, it honestly yeah what do you what can you say to that to be uh to be polite but at the same time direct you know it's just like well you know i did i did my best to to get the information out to you because i've had the same thing like oh i missed this or why didn't you tell me about this and then i'll see them that same person or whatever, I'll see him pop up to an event and I'll look right at him and say, how come you didn't RSVP? <laughs> so maybe, maybe it goes both ways. Uh, you know, there's, there's maybe, I mean, at this point though, I've just kind of given up on the RSVPs yeah. because I mean, we get like six people RSVP, but we'll get 75, 80 people that show up for the event. Right. Right. And that seems to be a, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. that. I thought maybe I was the only one experiencing that issue. And based on our conversations in the past, um, you know, it's, it, it's there for a reason, but uh, I'm just happy to see that people are showing up to encourage our industry, but, uh, and, and uh, meet friends uh, and family, if you will, to have a good time. No, I know, but I think a lot of the people who, feel a little strange about showing up if there's only like four to six people on the meetup yeah. group you know when they actually show up they're like shocked and they're super happy and you know so that that works out well but it just still kind of you know hey nobody rsvp yeah please come it's out. frustrating from an organizer standpoint uh from either being the person who oversees it completely or, you know, per se, you, Patrick, or you, Alan, that have set up a specific event and you're, you know, you're the organizer and you have two other people RSVP. And then when you get there, there's 35 people there and you're like, wait, what? You know? Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's always good. I just, I know a lot of people like will email me and say, well, only four people are signed up. I don't want to show up and have it be weird. Right, 
Right. Or or they're yeah. the only person that it's uh, like our, our smallest group we get is thirty. The only person that uh, that that has RSVP, if you will, is the organizer because that's an automatic. And then there's thirty people there anyway. And then you get people that email you and say, "Well, I didn't go because it looked like there was nobody going to be there." And then you're like, "Like you, I, you know, I I feel terrible because that's an opportunity." missed for them to experience an exciting evening or possibly meet some new friends in the in the area um, but um, what do you do right uh, other than some smoke signals sky riding I don't know right well I, I mean I understand people's anxiety you don't want to show up and have three friends that play together all the time and then you're the fourth person you know that if you have social anxiety at all that's not gonna help your situation if you no, worry it about it but that's why it's, you know, I wish people would go to more meetup stuff just in the hopes that things are going to be okay. You know, because I've been to other people's meetups where it was me and my wife and one guy, you know. So I understand that sometimes that happens. But as our hobby is starting to explode, I mean, the game store where we're at is actually considering getting bigger because we fill it up so often and that's awesome that's that's a that's a very positive spin off of the uh the the fact of having a group meet consistently i know uh in my area um there is a particular uh a f- friendly local game store flgs if you have never heard that term um, but a uh, friendly local game store that actually expanded because of the opportunities. One, they were in a smaller city, about 25, 30 minutes outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And, um, and with my communication, the way I was building the group, over time he saw the opportunity to move a store to Grand Rapids, and that store is blossoming. Uh, do, uh, I, would, I, would, I would have to say um, a good portion of the business of if most of the business has been coming from West Michigan tabletop members. And of course he's been drawing in other folks now too, that he's been open for a few years, but um, to your point, you know, you bring, you bring a good group into a location and they start to see opportunities. And it doesn't have to be a game store. It could be a restaurant. It could be a library. Um, you know, there's so many other, a church, uh, you know, there's so many other uh, venues that you can, um, attend you know somebody that's willing to open up their home as well and uh you know there's just a lot of a lot of different ways to uh handle that but you you see that growth because of it right and i mean just to to bullet point it for a few people i mean we'll suggest you start off with meetup.com you find a place that you can run events on a regular basis this is going to be a huge part of it because when people realize that you're going to be around and you're not just going to show up for one or two events and then shut down, you'll keep getting more and more people. So whether that's a game store, a restaurant, a library, a church, I mean, it really depends on your local area and what's available. And always try to bring games for new players because, you know, if you see somebody standing around, maybe they've never played anything before, maybe they have. But if you have a light 20 to 30 minute game, you can show somebody that always helps them feel more comfortable. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to. I mean, Alan, are, you're still with us, right? You haven't fallen fallen asleep again. No, sir. I have not fallen asleep. <laughs> no, I was. So, I was just going to point out one of the things that you know. It might be pointing out the obvious, but really, you need to have a 
not a personality, but a, a, a drive to actually want more members. I believe uh, there's a story that Patrick was telling me one time about a group that he went to visit one of their meetups and it just was not a welcoming environment. You can want oh, I can I can I can agree with that 100%. Yeah. You can want to grow your game group as much as you want. But unless you have the ability to be welcoming to new members and think ahead and not not just one of the biggest pet peeves that I have is um we'll run a game group or a game night and some players will be like, "Well, we're playing this game and this game only." And I'm just like, mm, I've got three or four games in my bag that we could play too. I was like, just because, you know, there's only five five players here or six players here on, on some slow, our slow meetup night, doesn't mean that we all have to play the same game. We need to have choices and be welcoming and, and more flexible when it comes to having games to play for people. Half of my... 100- 100% agree with that. Half of my gaming collection of, you know, I have far less than the two of you, but uh, I'm still getting... I only have 20 games. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm man. still getting that U-Haul so I can come up there and buy everything for a quarter from your, from your <laughs> wife. Um, she, she would probably do that with a big smile on her face, I'm sure. You just back right up. I've I, I got 20 in my wallet. I'll pay for shipping. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Shipping would be more than the games themselves, but no. What <laughs> yeah. it, what it comes down to is though is like half the games I own are games that I bought. So when the board game group was smaller, and Patrick and and his wife Lori were not able to be there, and my wife and I were were able to be there, we used those games to bring other players in and teach them new games. We took a pride in being able to use that as a, a as a community growth project. And so that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I've got a bunch of games that I haven't played, but other people definitely have. And so, and everything's stickered for, for our library, telling everybody who to call if they happen to have the game. So, you, but you have to have that, that, not necessarily, you don't have to have a personality that's outgoing or extrovert. Because Lord knows, sometimes extroverts scare introverts. But absolutely, and that—that's—I think to your point, um, uh, I agree with you one hundred percent. But to to your point just now, that's where I I see it starting to kind of cascade uh, uh, in on itself a little bit because you do get those folks out there that are a little timid or shy to um, extend their you know, uh, themselves to others, if you will. And and it's not because it's a mean thing on their part. It's just they're a little shy. They're a little uh, intimidated maybe, or they get very comfortable with those that they know. And then it becomes that situation like you brought up before where you sit down at the table and everybody's like, we're going to play these games tonight. And that's what they want to do because they feel comfortable and you have to break the ice. Like, listen, we need to be a little bit more inviting. So it's, um, it's, I think it's good to have a group that maybe you have some stability like that. Like there's these four or five people that like to sit over there and play some games. But if you can wedge yourself in there in a good way and just say, hey, you know, I'd really like to play this game tonight. It kind of breaks the ice with them. 
while maybe 10 other people have shown up and they're sitting down playing games and then you float around. So I think it's good, what I'm getting at, it's good to have a couple people in the group. It sounds like you and Patrick and maybe that you have a couple other folks like this where they kind of bumblebee, if you will, uh, where they bounce around from little, you know, uh, little sector to sector of gamers and they kind of get in there and, and kind of pep things up a little bit and play some games with them and communicate. And I find, I found when I first started my group, now that, uh, uh, I can go into, I, I haven't been as, um, as active as I should over the past couple of years for many reasons, but, um, uh, but I know when I was very active, I seemed to be the one that, along with a couple other people that were doing that. And I found that that really kept the group very lively and active. And to your point, that's where it didn't kind of collapse on itself, where people started to go into these clicks. Yeah. I mean, I know that happens. And I mean, still, even now, even though we try to do against that, there's still, you know, a couple of groups of four or five people that always want to play together, you know, and if they do, that's fine. I just literally, if Alan or I see somebody standing around, we get up, we walk over, we talk to them. And even if our game's only halfway done, if somebody else is starting, I'll try to get them into Absolutely. that game. Because if they're shy or something like that, this is a perfect medium where they can just introduce themselves to people talk about the game a little bit, you know, no pressure. Nobody's asking them about their marital status or anything else. And, you know, they can just relax and enjoy the game. Yeah, I would, I, I would encourage that as much as possible. Um, you know, and that's, I guess, having a, a goodwill ambassador, you know, for each meetup uh, event that you hold, just making sure that there's someone there that you entrust that can be that, uh, that bumblebee, if you will, of, of a gamer, just bouncing around and making sure people are having a good time. Um, you know, one of the things I did too, and I don't know, I, I, I haven't, uh, scoped or stalked your group, you know, but, uh, um, do do you take a lot of pictures or have you taken a lot of photos in the past? Um, we do, there's a couple of ladies that mostly take the pictures and then post them up on Facebook for us. So, I mean, if you look on our Facebook group, I mean, there's, just hundreds of pictures and literally every single event that these ladies go to they'll post anywhere between 12 and 30 pictures so you just try to get pictures of every single game that gets played that's the one thing that we don't really have a structure other than organizer co-organizers event organizers and such it's not like we have a historian or a or a treasurer or any of those <laughs> Vice president, president, the vice yeah. president, president. It's not, you know, it's not student council. Um, but at the same time, it's just leading by. Example. Yeah, it is. It's very much leading by example, and uh, it's the the best thing is, is, you know, everybody finds their niche in the group, and you know, if if you wanted a picture taken, just go ask so and so. Hey, can you take a picture of this game? There's a lot of us that uh, have Instagram accounts that we take pictures of the games that we play. Just I, I take pictures of the games I play just as much as some people log their gameplays on BGG. So I just, because I prefer well, that. Well, now that everybody has a phone, it makes it easier. What's that? Now that everybody has a phone that takes pictures, it's much easier than it was, you know, even Oh, see, I thought ago. it was a camera that made phone calls. <laughs> well pretty much yes. it's an internet computer that takes pictures that occasionally you get a phone right. call on but <clears throat> back to the point though it's just like if you want your board game group to grow and 
you have a location. I was when Patrick was talking about locations. I, I would I was going to bust in and say, if you build it, they will come. Um, the whole field of dreams thing. If there's a, a location that people know that they can come to, and it's inviting, it'll start to thrive. It'll it'll start to feed itself. But at the same time, the, it doesn't hurt to have that idea and concept that uh, you, you got to put some put some work into it and actually get up and introduce yourself to people and and it might not even see that's the thing it's like when patrick and i are, are kind of the faces of the group by title alone you introduce them to other people in the group because we've we've had members that uh and this isn't this isn't a negative thing but we've had members that like oh you're the co-organizer well i'm gonna play a game with you and then the next week they're like oh i'm gonna play a game with you and you're like okay you know either you really like playing games with me or you don't want to meet anyone else um and then you can't play you know a 20 player game of a four player game with all the members of the group wanting to play with just you because they only know you um it just helps really to 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 spread the wealth and and get everybody to to communicate step out of their their comfort zone when it comes down to it Right, bust out of their shell. Yeah, I mean, why not? It, the, the thing about it is, is like we've had people that have been like, "Well, I don't know what to bring." Well, don't bring anything. Bring you. Bring yourself. Just right. Just show up. Well, I don't know what kind of games you play. That's okay. Every single person that we have here knows at least one or two games that they can teach and are proficient at it. And so, yeah, and based based on that, you know, do you find? Um, do you two find that uh, I suppose I, I'm leading into this because I've, I've been thinking about this more with uh, the way my group has been building, but do you find that maybe having a special event uh, once a month, once every two months, maybe once a quarter uh, to help kind of uh, spirit the idea of the community a little bit more? Because as you said, Alan, uh, once you establish a location that seems to be uh, the destination location for everybody. Um, it it starts running itself, but then it could also go down that rabbit hole. It starts running itself, but everybody that goes there starts meeting up with the same people, <laughs> meaning their own little groups. And then it all of a sudden turns into this thing where they're not mingling with each other anymore. They're just going there to meet to because that's their game night to play with their right. And they're friends, no longer friends. members of the group. They're members of yeah. themselves. We've right. seen that. Yes, we've seen that. I've actually, to to be honest about it, I was one of those at the beginning of the of when we first started going to the group. There were four couples that it was myself and my wife and and three other couples that we pretty much played just games with ourselves with within our our circle of friends. And uh, you know that doesn't happen as much anymore because. Um, well, I mean, it, it always happens when certain age ranges or whatever demographics to yeah. each other. You know, I mean, you can't really stop that from happening. Like you said, the only way you can really keep that from being a permanent thing is when you see a group like that is take 
two of the people out of that group and bring them into another game and force the other two or three people to play some with other people. And I mean, you're kind of forcing them into a social situation, but you know, that's really the only way to break up some of those small cliques that start forming. I mean, we have a, a major group of like 50 to 60 people that will play with anyone, which is why when Alan or I see somebody just standing there, you know, we'll talk to them and put them into a game. But some people do show up and just say, well, Tuesday night's my game night, and I know we can meet here and play. Right. Well, the other thing is, is I think where, where Brian was leading, like once a month we, we used to do, and I, I think we probably might start it back up, was, you know, we would celebrate celebrate people's birthdays. So it wasn't all about just games. And then sometimes the store that we we go to will let us run a tournament or we'll just run a tournament of certain games for just what do we, what do you call it? braggers rights no nothing store credit or anything like that it's just a, a braggers rights and so now you've got people that are wanting to compete in like a stone age tournament um and they're playing and they're you've got multiple games of the same or multiple sessions of the same game going but now you have these people that are normally in other groups intermingling amongst themselves and then, you know, winners progress and then those people intermingle. So it, it kind of shuffles it up a little bit at the same time. Well, and we've also run the Tampa gaming society or the Tampa area gamers, which invites all kinds of different groups from around the city together to play together. And those, I mean, we've had like almost 200 people to one of those events. Mm -hmm. And literally, it'll be people who live in St. Petersburg or, you know, up in areas that are like an hour to an hour and a half away from us. And they'll come out just so they can play and meet with other people. And that's during the more um, specialized or destination events you're speaking of, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's, it's, uh, I think that's really kind of the key. So for those out there listening, um, you know, meetup's a great place to start, finding a destination location. But yet uh, it seems to it seems to sound like, you know, having a special, like Alan, you brought up celebrating someone's birthday. It's not all about gaming. It's about the community as well. And, you know, just recognizing each other. And unfortunately, you know, when you start to get to 12 to 1300 people, you know, you, you, it's hard to <laughs> say, hey, we're going to celebrate such and such birthday because then somebody else is going to get overlooked. Um, but, you know, you could you could create a, a different event that celebrates something else, um, you know, for, you know, uh, that, that will still drive a lot of people there. And I think that's those are kind of some key bullet points to take away uh, from, you know, starting up a group, uh, having your discussions maybe through Facebook or if you find another means, you know, maybe it's it's a you have a website you've built uh, that uses Meetup or yeah. Twitter or yeah. whatever. And then having that specialized event like once every couple months, you know, it's a social ice cream night. We'll all meet up for ice cream. I know a few years ago, a friend of mine uh, rented out uh, rented out a theater and Nights of Bad Astem. I don't know if you remember that movie or not. Uh, a fun, silly movie, uh, gaming related in the role-playing realm. But a friend of mine rented out a theater. I threw the event up. We had over, I think it was 65 to 75 people from the group at the time uh, show up for it. And, you know, you paid paid your dues to get in, but it was just a good time. It was a good social event. We didn't play any games. Uh, we just enjoyed each other's company while watching a fun, silly 
uh, movie based off of loosely off of some role playing and some other crazy things. But <laughs> so things like that, I I, I feel are uh, are key to keeping the community and the camaraderie um, strong. For us, the birthday thing was we would just say whose birthday's here is right, in June, right? And that's what, I, I and then everybody whose birthday was in June would stand up and walk up to the front. So you just covered the and whole then, month like, to make it easy. That's correct. Yeah. Right. And basically, I'd buy like a giant sheet cake from Sam's Club. Right. So even though we had 60 people there, there'd be enough cake for everybody. Shaped like a carcass on tile. <laughs> <laughs> no, usually we just say happy birthday, June. <laughs> there you go. And that's a good idea. You know, that's, those are, those are great points too. You know, uh, thinking more globally um, on, on that scale. So that way you're not hurting anyone's feelings per se. But then, you know, if you do that, you got to do that every month. Uh, you got to be consistent. Well, we did. Right. And I mean, and we have other events like Billy runs a giant event for our Christmas we have a big Christmas party and like a white elephant gift exchange. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for some people for Halloween, there's certain games that they like want to play or, you know, when it's over the weekend or whatever. And sometimes the game store will let us do like a 24 hour event where we, people sleep in the store, mm. you know, and they'll play werewolf basically all night. That's really nice. Yeah. I know that, uh, that, that could happen around here too. I, the last event I did there was um, a 24-hour marathon to raise money for a children's hospital, um, which went off amazing. And we all had a good time, and we were all very exhausted the next day. But, uh, uh, you know, we raised a few thousand dollars um, just in the 24-hour period and then continued to leave kind of the window open, ended up raising several thousand dollars by the time the event was over after three months. But... Uh, that gaming session was, I, I still hear people, that was several years ago, and we haven't done one since, just just things have slipped away in that regard. Um, but uh, it, uh, it people still talk about it to this day. Yeah, I mean, those are the kinds of things people remember are the little personal touches in the community. You know, there's not many people that remember, oh, remember that one time I flipped that card and won? Right. <laughs> well, you know what they do remember when I I tore up a, a card from from uh, Viticulture. Well, is that in a psychotic fit of rage? No, it was not a psychotic fit of rage. Just a normal fit of rage. Yeah. It wasn't a normal <laughs> fit of rage either. I was messing with Danica. She was across the room from me. I picked up the card and I ripped it. As she was watching me do it, she about flipped out. But it was a it was a it was a spare <laughs> card. So, <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> so, uh, so viticulture when it originally came had one of the one of the workers or not one of the workers one of the visitor cards was had a misprint or they found it to be overpowered. So. When the expansion came out, there was a card that replaced it. And I did not tell Danica about it. And I was like, hey, babe. She's like, what? I was like, I hate this card. And I ripped it right in front of her. And she and everybody else that was watching was just like, ah! You know, I was like, how dare you? 
and she she about passed out from that. She just oh, <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> so it's times like that, you know. You gave the it, poor woman. You gave the poor woman a car. Oh my lord. <laughs> so yeah. So along we, with uh, everybody else in that room. <laughs> oh, I know. It was like everybody was like, oh. My but you know, so no, no fit of rage. Fit of being a complete jackwagon <laughs> and messing with your wife. That's what that was. But it's you're, times like that. You're lucky. You're lucky you didn't have like fifty angry gamers throwing meeples at you, like like a martyr. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Death by meepling. Right. Oh, that's a that's a fun story. Yeah, that's uh I don't know that I've ever experienced anything like that, but you know, it's uh and but those are the things that you you recall. Uh, you know, just fun moments that uh seemed seemed maybe mean or or harmless either way, but they were harmless overall. Um, right. And, and those are great times to to have with uh, said gaming friends. And then, you know, when you say gaming friends, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's just a, it's a label that we put on each other, but you know, uh, I have a lot of great friends that I've met through gaming and, um, uh, and I'm, I'm uh, proud to say that uh, many of them will be good friends for probably the rest of my life. So it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great hobby that we're in. And, like anything else, but it's uh, that you're interested in. This is uh, a fantastic way to, you know, to start up through Meetup and then kind of let it blossom from there. I, I've been enjoying every minute of uh, of the folks that I've met and over the over the years. Yeah, I mean that is one thing I'll say is that the community for board gamers is really fantastic, welcoming and tolerant for the most mm-hmm. part. You know, I mean. When I was a war gamer or a miniature gamer, even a collectible card gamer with magic, I mean, there were always great people, but there were always people that seemed to take it a little too far and kind of get a little too psycho about it, you know? Yeah, Magic magic the Gathering, uh, that sector of gaming is a little different. It's, it's, it's hyper-competitive. Um, so, you know, uh, board gaming seemed... I mean, it, it yeah. can be. I mean, you don't have to play in all the tournaments and stuff, but I know if you did want to play in a tournament just for fun, it's like there would be plenty of people that'd be happy to ruin it for you. <laughs> well, yes, and they have. This, that, that brings up an... Well, I mean... It, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think that, like you said, uh, Alan, that it brings up a thing of when it's all about competition... It brings out different things in people, but because most of our board game stuff is not about any competition, but just about socializing and having fun, that it creates a, its own community that's a little bit better. And I will say that straight out than a lot of the other communities in terms of well being welcoming and just a fun experience. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think we've talked about it before on the podcast. Um, we have a, a, it's an unspoken rule, but it's also, it's not completely unspoken, but um, if you teach a game, you prepare to lose it. Teach it well enough that the person that you're going to teach um, can beat you in the in the same setting. And don't... 
leave out, I obviously don't leave out rules, but we've all played it. <laughs> <clears throat> I will never forget the first time I played Ticket to Ride. Uh, and, and the fact that I love the game still, I mean, as, as a gateway game, it's great. Um, but it was the worst first impression I ever had this one player. And he's still in our group, and I, I just don't like playing games with him anymore because it was he taught the game and then proceeded to just whip us. There were three brand new players and him. And he kicked our butts. That that's that's enough to leave a sour taste in someone's mouth that's not strong enough to come back. Well, I mean, it, and unfortunately, there are a couple of people that they really have to win. Oh, I understand that. And you know, I mean, those people, I definitely try not to put new people in with them. You know, and we have a big group, and I mean, I'll be honest, there's two or three people that I prefer just not to game with because they just make it unpleasant. They're hyper-competitive. And I've had... Mm -hmm. Well, that, or they're just kind of, oh, you know, and they'll do it in a somewhat, you know, rolling over kind of way of, I forgot to tell you, you can do this. And then they do mm -hmm. it to you. Oh, yeah. And then they and then they proceed or the, these such folks. I've been in that situation countless number of times where you're having someone teach you the game and then you get to a crucial point in the game and then they go, oh, by the way, you can do this. Then they go ahead and do it. And then you're like, well, can I take my move back? I just didn't do No, 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 no. We're already past that. <laughs> yeah. Like, they don't tell you until it benefits them and gives them the win. That's the that's the worst, the worst feeling. Of being a well, that's why we try to. I mean, we have had to kick a few people out of the group for being rude. And you know, if you're running a group and somebody is ruining it for everybody else, talk yeah, to them. Yeah, tell them they're ruining it for everybody else, and that you're going to ask them to never come back if they continue. And that's the communication that you would expect, and we're for the most part, all of us are at, a, at an adult level, but, uh, um, you know, you have to, you just have to find a way to be, uh, judicial in a polite way. And if somebody's getting out of hand or out of control, I mean, I've had folks that want to sign up or register for the group and they don't want to give you their, at least their name or show, you know, cause meetup, you know, you can require a picture and a name, um, which I find beneficial. So people get um accustomed to maybe who's there at these sessions and some people just they won't they don't want to give you their full name and or use a picture of themselves and so i don't accept those people into to my group um just because it's see well go ahead i was just going to say is we do the opposite because we have so many women in our group really? you know they might not want to put their pictures up there i mean our group is probably between 40 and 50% women well let me let me clarify it's one or the other for me like if if somebody wants to sign up for my meetup uh, for gaming i ask that they i ask politely that they at least use uh, their true name or a picture or both but at least one or the other they don't have to use a picture if they don't of themselves if they don't want but at least a name like you know Susan, John, Tom, whatever, but at least you've got an idea that this person is real and not just 
some crazy, you know, I had a, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example, just, um, you know, badass assassin or whatever. And then a picture of some D and D character, like, well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let that, uh, come into my group because I don't know who you are. And so it's, maybe it's a little overprotective, uh, but at the same time, um, you gotta, you gotta break the ice a little bit. So as long as I know it's John or Mary or Susan or whatever, um, or a picture and then their, their, their favorite nickname, that's fine. I mean, it gives you, it kind of breaks that ice a little bit. So when you go to a meetup session, oh yeah, hey, that's Ben. Okay, I recognize Ben, you know, or, or, or oh, okay, you know, I, I saw your name. Now I can put that picture that you like to your name, you know, that kind of thing. That's the reason why I do it. And I have a lot of families that participate or a lot of young folks. And then there's a lot of ladies that are hesitant to join the group because it's, mostly males in my group. Um, so I kind of want to break that ice and make sure that people feel at ease. Well, cause I just, I mean, I don't want people thinking it's kind of like a dating site for them to find people right. on. So that's why I never ask for that. I mean, when people show up, we have name tags. Gotcha. And a lot of times that's just the much easier way to go. Yeah. Which I don't, you know, I don't yeah, your name, name is, is I don't Jennifer. Use name tags. Um, so, and that, that sounds like that might be a, a good solution that you've found that works. And uh, for those that are listening, you know, you, I guess it's a trial, trial and error, you know, to find what works for the area you're in. Right. I mean, be a river, everybody go with the flow and go around objects. Don't try to brute force. Them. Right. You know, but besides what we've talked about, I mean, I think a big part of it is just letting people contribute to the group. You know, somebody else might be a better webmaster than me. Well, cool. Make the website. That sounds <laughs> you know, That's what's, what's going on there, Patrick. I sense something. <laughs> no, I mean, but there's other people that are better than me in doing graphics or, you know, whatever, taking pictures on a regular basis. And, you know, they're just more interactive with social media. I mean, I tweet like twice a year. <laughs> right, right. I, that's, you know, that's a, but I know some people only communicate through Twitter. And that's so. a perfect example. I mean, you know, we both, we both are, all three of us are, are uh, heavily involved in a, a convention that takes place, our own convention, if you will, it takes place once a year. And that's the same thing for conventions too. It's a destination point for the local folks that are part of these game groups to go to, to have, you know, that's a big destination event. But uh, that's the same reason. That's the same thing there too. And uh, to find find those that are better at your social media, better at doing maybe web work for you, uh, to help out that want to help out to um, to be that enforcer, like Alan. Um, to oh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? What uh, enforcer? But, what What are you talking? About? <laughs> <laughs> but you know your your point is your point is very true. That's 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 the nice thing about the gaming world is that there are folks out there that say, Hey, I can help out. And then you just have to explore what that means between you and them. You know, what's, what's, what's your strong, what's your strengths? Cause obviously we're not all strong in everything. Otherwise we wouldn't need anybody. And that's just not the case ever. Um, well, as the group gets bigger, you find out what the multi, they're, they're multifaceted people with multiple strengths. And you'll find that that's like, like the whole thing of, well, and people will come in. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. That's once again that leads back to that's the communication that you build up and the rapport that you build up with these folks and yep. become mm -hmm. friends with. 
and then you just discover what how you can balance each other out yeah you conduct yourself in mutual respect and you'll succeed all right well i think uh, we've talked all about that and we'll have some more information on our website which is www.hobbyboardgaming.com so go ahead and go there and check it out if you would like to see it in writing but since we're done with that discussion let's talk about something we've played recently alan what have you played recently? i have played near and far i have also played <laughs> anachrony i played sagrada last night and i believe that's pretty much everything that i played this week all right all right well, it, was your, it was your first time playing near and far and i know you liked above and below how would you compare the two um so near and far, I, I definitely like the the spatial aspect of the of the adventuring part better than above and below. Um, using your assets to build camps, making it easier to to sprawl out on the map a little bit more. Above and below, it was just an idea of like, hey, I'm gonna go adventuring. Read me a segment. Um, now it's like you you've got the map that you go out on and and so i i definitely believe I, I i like near and far a little bit better i think i did better on near and far the first time i played uh above and below i i didn't do as well, well i think you killed us at near and far i i you? may have <laughs> i i did win that game and, and Brian, you've played near and far. I have, you? yes. So what did you think on the comparison between the two? I felt near and far was more engaging. Um, I liked both games uh, from from uh, different perspectives. You know, uh, Ryan Lockett uh, is um, a fantastic individual and what he's done for the industry and what he can do with game design and graphic arts, everything. But uh, so I really appreciate that. I, I, I uh, the, the guy is amazing in that regard, but um, they're, they are, I think, I feel like above and below was kind of a preparatory work for near and far. Um, that's, that was my, my impression on it. And I, I, I enjoyed near far because of the i think it was more engaging with the storytelling that he had i mean he had above and below which once again it, it was kind of a prep work um he saw that he had a pretty cool thing with above and below and and said okay let's take this in a continuation into near and far and i enjoyed near and far much more i agree i mean it, it seems like a much more refined version of above and below with actually better gameplay mechanics. It's funny that he put them out within, what, a year and a half of each other? Was it that? It quick? wasn't. Yeah, I, I believe it was. I, I mean... Now we could check that out. I, I want to say a couple years, but you're, pro you're probably right out. Um, uh, well, because I know we've switched locations in which we game on Tuesday night in between those two games. I don't know how long that makes it actually, but well, I wonder if there's a place that we could go to to find out such information. <laughs> well, above and below, you can go to your favorite above and below came out and it looks like 2015. 
Um, and then near and far wasn't too sh- too long after that. Maybe er- was it early 2017? I think so. Both of them near were and far, near and far was, was 2017, 2017. So it was two. It was two years. I, I thought it came out at Gen Con in 2017. Yeah, it was about two. They were two years apart, and that's what I was. That's what I was uh, thinking. But um, usually, but, if you're going to produce a game that replay of an like we always talk about the top there we always hear about the dice tower top ten list this game replaced this game um mechanically and f- for the for the overall feeling and atmosphere that the game presents itself with near and far kind of replaces above and below. I think we all kind of just agreed on one is a better successor to the other two years is is a short time span between one being replaced by the other by convention's sake. Well, I agree, but I I think Above and Below might have been his biggest hit, so maybe he was willing to make the changes to that more rapidly. I know he redid City of Iron, and he also the Kickstarter for uh, what was his space uh, one we were just talking yeah, about I earlier it, on? I actually wouldn't mind getting it to the table. Empires of the Void 2. Right, I mean that that one, the original came out like probably five or six years ago. Yeah, I would say twenty. Was it twenty twelve? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I mean it was a while ago. So yeah, the the and that's a pickup and delivery. Uh, yeah, it's twenty twelve. Empire boy, I'm I'm pretty good. I don't think it's a pickup and delivery. I thought it was a. It 4X. is a four X. X. Uh, are you talking about? Well, which one are you speaking of? Empires of the Void. Yeah, that that one I did not play. I was speaking of well, Empires of the Void Two feels uh, you're picking up things, you're delivering things, so it feels feels more to me like a pickup and delivery. Um, oh, then then maybe they changed the game quite a bit. I haven't gotten to play the second one. The first one was pretty much straight up a four X yeah, game. Yeah, this one, and we can I can look to see if that's even included in like the the mechanic description on Board Game Geek, but. Um, Empires of the Void 2. Uh, that that one, you literally were kind of grabbing missions and snagging commodities, if you will, and you had destination places to go with them. So it felt it felt like a light pickup and delivery in that regard. Um, but yeah, they say action point. It falls control. underneath the 4X games for Empires of the Void 2. Yeah, it, it does, but it it's very light in that regard. Oh, well, I mean, the first one had stuff where you could do that as well, where you could pick up and deliver stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it was mostly just to get the resources you needed to build your fleet to blow somebody else up. I don't know if the second one is quite as complicated. At least the two, I've played it two or three times uh, for Empires of the Void 2. Twice, twice at least. but it, it it was it wasn't as much conflict um, as you would at least I expected. It was more uh, it was more about area control. A l- the pickup and delivery aspect. I, I know I keep gravitating towards that, but you you literally were you know saying, hey, here's a mission card. You need to go here to pick this up, and then you have to deliver it here. Whatever you know, something would say you need to do this to go here to drop this off. So. Um, 
and it was very light. It wasn't directly uh, like your normal pickup and delivery game, but it was very light in that regard. So I might be mis misstating that for some folks out there, but uh, I felt that that's, that's kind of how it struck me. Um, but there was very little conflict uh, that uh, we experienced. Um, it, was, it was more about area control. The, the conflict... The conflict in the game is abstract, I would say. It's not, it doesn't feel very direct um, or very impactful in a direct way. Because really, you just go to this planet and it's like, if there's nobody there to defend, which most cases was, was the situation, you automatically just take over it and then you bump somebody else's cube off of it that showed control. So the conflict was very light as well. Uh, fun game. Uh, a little long, but fun game. Um, but I, I, you know, that was my experience at least with it. Oh, uh, I mean, I haven't played it. Like I said, I just the first one I recall. You pretty much had like a ring of your ships defending your territory, hmm. so people would be able to attack one section of your ring and blow those ships away, and maybe get in and uh, take some of your stuff. But you know, you would explore and flip over tiles and you know, takeover stuff and things like that. So it was kind of a lot more conflict-based, like a regular 4X hmm. game. Yeah. So I can remember, like, losing my fleet in a big battle, and, like, basically that kind of cost me the game. Gotcha. So it sounds sounds like it was definitely more of a uh, direct conflict, uh, from what you're saying, uh, in comparison to what I have experienced with Empires of Two. Well, he might have refined it quite a bit. Yeah. So. What about Islebound? Did you uh, have either of you played Islebound? I have. It's been a bit, so it's a little, little foggy in my memory. Okay, that one came out in between Above and Below, and yeah, uh, that's a different game. Far. Yeah, it's a yeah. much, much different game. Have you played it? Then I take it. Um, no, it's another one that's sitting on the. It's sitting on the the shelf. With the other Ryan Lockett games and or Red Raven games, and uh, it's ready to be played as well. But that one came out in a very tumultuous time frame in my life, so I haven't gotten a chance to play it. It's enjoyable. Well, I haven't heard as much about. Yeah, that it's one. enjoyable. Out of you know, Ryan has uh, Ryan. When you say Ryan Lockett or Red Raven games, it's almost synonymous, right? Right. Um, he but, is Red Raven games. Right. Um, out of out of the what eight or nine games that Red Raven has released now, I believe that's where they're at. I would say that's probably the lowest one on the totem pole for me as far as uh, favoritism. And uh, it's a, it's an enjoyable game, but it's just not one I gravitate towards personally. Um, it's a little bit on the lighter affair. Uh, above and below, I would say near and far is at the top of the uh, top of the. Uh, the echelon for me when it comes to his games and empires of the void i enjoy but it's a, it's a little too long for me um to say it's better than near and far so you like eight minute empire i do enjoy eight minute empire no it's a great it's a great little uh, area control game yeah those those kind of games uh you know the quick games that are under an hour that we um, are fantastic games and in, 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 in most cases. I mean, there are those that are not the best or stinkers, but that's a good one. That's a, it's a good series. Okay, so not, I think we got on a, a Ryan Lockett love fest there for a second. 
<laughs> hey, we you just guys... came up with a, we just came up with a new event. We should coordinate this. My group, your <laughs> Ryan Lockett Love Fest Day. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, yeah, we'll we'll start a thing. So, Patrick, we played uh, Anachrony today. And what were your first takes? Just to to say, we played it with a base game and base game only. We didn't play with the Doomsday um, expansion or any of the the other expansions. So we only played pure base. Well, I yeah, I mean, I th- I thought it was an interesting worker placement game. I mean, how the traveling through time works sounded super complex, but was actually super simple to use. Mm. Um, as long as we were doing it right. And basically... I, I think we did it right. Yeah, I mean, I think we did it right. I mean, it just seemed like, you know, you buy that yellow building, and then when you activate it, you can go back in time and do what you need to do. Right. So, as long as you make sure to, you know, co- th- to, those to close up your, your time portals so you don't, you know, you don't run into a paradox. But uh, um, and that's, I think, what I was mentioning to you guys before uh, with that. And it sounds like you, you kind of keyed in on that. Yeah, well, I mean, unfortunately, I think all we were playing with four players. All of us rolled double triangles, which is the one out of six chance, the worst you can possibly get if you have um, a paradox. Not all of us did. Well, basically, the instant the game started, I had two of those. So then I went back and I kind of cured my issue with that. And then everybody else had to roll. So over the course of the game, everybody got at least one uh, anomaly. Uh, anomaly, paradox, and then anomaly, and then we're able to fix it. I mean, they weren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. I mean, really, it was a couple of resources, and you could get rid Did of it. I just love the fact that you can borrow resources from yourself from the future, then you got to return the favor. Right. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, you create a paradox. But yeah. Did you feel it was overly resource tight? I didn't think it was, but then again, I also scored the least amount of points. I mean, it was resource tight, but I think I probably would have been willing to take more chances with getting anomalies. And it's it kind of worked like Century Spice Road, that if you got the right buildings and you could kind of like daisy chain off of them to create the resources you needed, then it worked out much better. Because, like, I had one that if I put a yellow into it, gave me, like, a purple. And then if I put a purple into the next one, it gave me two yellows and a water. And then if I put a yellow into this last one, it then gave me, like, seven water. So it was just kind of like, and every time I did that, each one of those gave me victory. Yeah, I, I didn't have a, a very efficient engine or anything else. I think I was concentrating on making sure that I didn't do what we both were talking about earlier, which was forget a rule and then be like, and use it to my advantage later on. Um, that's one thing I, I, it's a pet peeve to have happen to me. No, I mean, we, we oh yeah, I know. Two of the, the other two guys had both played it before. Right. So Alan and I were more in the dark of anybody about trying to figure out the strategies for it. I mean, I, I thought it was really interesting. I thought those miniatures looked nice. Um, Mechanically, I think it's very sound. You know, um, I didn't see a lot of it's, a lot of stuff seemed kind of fidgety when you're looking through the book. Um, 
but it, it's not as fidgety. Yeah, well, that's, it, it sounded much harder exactly. than it was. It, it's, that's that's ninety five percent of the games out there. When you read, you're like, oh, this sounds daunting, and then you play it, you're like, oh, <laughs> like wait a minute. Well, they spent like a page and a half talking about time anomalies and all this other stuff, and it was like, really, you roll this dice and you get an anomaly. You can get rid of it by doing this. Isn't that isn't that exciting? <laughs> You're like a whole page and a half to describe roll a die and whatever pops up on that face, you get this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's. But you have to be thorough, you know. Uh, it, no, I know, I, and I'm glad. I mean, the rule book was actually decently done they had a like rules that people often forget yeah, section i think they did it and then, and then every single like building and person that was in there had its own little explanation to make sure that you know you knew you how you to use it correctly. essentially overall um beautiful worker placement game uh, a little bit of, a little bit of with a trickiness. great resource management yeah in. yeah a little bit of trickiness with the time paradox First time through, I know for most players that I've experienced the game with, but it sounds like you guys uh, enjoyed your uh, enjoyed your gameplay. Oh, I believe it was a success. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to play it again, simply because now that I understand how the game should mm-hmm. play, it's like we didn't worry about end of game scoring until the end of the game, and that's when I realized it's like, well, I should have been doing this the whole time, and I completely ignored it. Now, uh, for folks that are listening, I, I'm curious uh, to convey to them: is it readily available through retail? I I don't know that I've seen many copies in stores. I I see that um, like right now. I just did a quick check. There's a copy on Amazon. Um, but I'm just, if somebody out there was looking for it, it's a fantastic, I think it's a fantastic game. Uh, but it, it seems to be a game that you're, it's, it's on the side of more of a heavy gamer, uh, you know, someone that likes a, a more of a challenge, uh, with their games. And, uh, um, I don't know how readily available it is, to be honest. As, it uh, is available on Mind Clash Game. Oh, cool website. stuff. Cool stuff has it. Cool stuff does have it. That's another website to get it from, so coolstuff.com. And you can buy it directly from, you can buy the Exosuits uh, Commander from, Pack. From Mind Clash or from? From uh, Mind Clash. You can buy, yeah. they have their own, uh, yeah, so they've got the Anachrony box, base box, which is $59 on Mind Clash. And then you can also get the Doomsday Enhancement Pack and, and some of the other stuff that came with the Kickstarter. So, yeah, it's it. Well, cool stuff is sold out of the Exosuit Commander pack, but they did have it in right. stock. Yeah. So, just for folks that are out there looking for, if they're interested, besides checking out on BGG, uh, it looks like it's available um, or easily available now. I do know that for a while there, it was pretty tough to get a hold of. And the Exosuit, if you like to, uh, if you like to. Um, uh, upgrade your game, so to speak, uh, make them shiny even more than what they maybe already are. Uh, the exosuit. Yep. The exosuit commander pack is worth, uh, worth picking up. It adds a lot of, uh, it adds a pretty cool, a pretty neat, cool factor to it. I mean, it, it was a good game. I mean, because we were learning, it took longer than it probably should have. How long does it say it's supposed to take to play? 30 to 120 minutes. 
yeah, we kind of utterly destroyed that by going way over, but we were also screwing around and, yeah. you know, just enjoying the social situation and learning the rules. I mean, I remember at one point we stopped for a half an hour why every single one of us looked through the rule book. The, yeah, those are, those are, those are the, uh, the things that are going to happen and the beauty of our industry. I need to read this just so I can digest it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that that, that company well, and that, that company has some uh some other games that are coming out in the near future that i'm pretty excited for but uh um well they have tricarion oh, which is actually that's another pretty solid that's Euro. a fantastic game and it's unique it, it is it is so unique uh you know your magician's putting on a, a stage show it, it's so cool it's it's such a such a fun game love the theme yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a really good game, but again, it's another one of those that, you know, they might say it takes an hour to two hours, but it's probably more like three to four. Yeah, um, I would agree and disagree. Uh, I I think to clarify that, for someone that's just going to jump into it, absolutely agree with you, Patrick. Uh, but once you get to know it, it is, it's a two-hour or less game. Uh, I've I've played a game in an hour and a half, but that was with folks that knew the rules, knew what we were doing, and we just jumped into it, and boom, we're done within an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45. Well, I think a lot of decent Euros are kind of that way, because yeah. like La Havre, you know, the first time we played it, it was like four and a half hours. <laughs> but then after we played it a few times, and everybody knew what the buildings were and what they should be doing in the mm. game, you know, we could play it in like an hour and a half. Yeah, that that's, that's like... Uh, Agricola or Agricola, however you want to pronounce it. Just it's Agricola. <laughs> well, Agricola on that one. <laughs> That's the same thing. There's how many cards are in that game? Five hundred. I mean, if you were to get everything, there's a ton of cards, right? There are, and I mean, the cards actually make it unbalanced. So, <laughs> right. I like to play without the cards, to be yeah. honest. So, that, it, but that's another game. It's like any other card driven game if you will it's just it's repetitive play getting to know what's uh what you're going to encounter experience um you know more than you know, roll some dice do do a move kind of thing but uh right I, I mean, seasons is kind of the same thing where unless you know the deck every turn is going to take well, a word of longer. advice if i can put anything out there for folks i've never do not draft no, I'm just kidding. Draft the first time around. <laughs> if you don't, you're going to get a player that gets these cards that is just going to stomp all over you. And that's it's inadvertent. It happens every time. I don't know how many people I've spoken to that said they didn't draft the first time through when the game recommends to draft. Even if you don't know the game, draft. Well, well the game actually recommends that everybody just yeah. play and then you learn the cards there later. Yeah, I might have said but, that backwards, but I would recommend drafting. You know, but yeah, I mean, if you draft, even though the draft will take a bit longer, you'll at least be able to see more of the cards. And, you know, I mean, I've played probably 80 to 100 games of seasons, and I'm still learning combos from people because they have so many expansions that are coming 80 out. 80 to 100? Good heavens. Well, because you can play it online on Board Game Arena, and it takes like 20 to 30 minutes if you play a two-player ah, game. So not the true board game so, way. You went digital. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately for a lot of these games, like even La Havre, if I 
can't get an app or play it digitally, I'll never get in enough play. Yeah, yeah. That's and I um I just to my experience, the first game I ever played of seasons, we did what was recommended where you you don't draft. Uh, yeah, so I said that maybe backwards earlier, but so I apologize. But uh we we just said, you know, take these cards and go. And one of the guys um scored 245 points and the rest of us were 90 or below. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well the first time I played I drafted because my wife wanted to play that way and she had played the game several times before that and she just destroyed us. I think I ended the game with like 70 points. Oh, so she was the one that should have been teaching to lose. <laughs> Lori, but she wasn't the one teaching the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So Alan, what else uh what else did you you said near and far um anachrony and what else was that? Uh, I got a chance to play Sagrada again. Uh, oh, okay. Got to teach yeah. it. So, um other than that, that's that's pretty much it for this week. That but that was much better than last week. I got um, Sagrada is a great go-to game. I mean, it's 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 simple. It's quick. It's easy to teach. Um, it's, it's fun. Good. It really is. Yeah. yeah, it really is. No, last last week I think I got zero games. This week three. I think yeah. I think I made a quota. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, well, Brian, I saw that you've played Gone Sean Clever. Yes, sir. So how was that uh, one? I know that's up for, what, the Kinderspiel? Yes. Or the, or the Kenner Kennerspiel. Um, that one is a fantastic uh, roll and write, um, if you will. So it's amazing what uh, Wolfgang, uh, Wolfgang Warsh's, Varsh, Varsh, I apologize for mispronouncing that last name, um, uh, the designer from from overseas, if you will, but uh, who also did the mind, which is seems to be a hotness coming up here soon. Uh, at or re- release at Origins by Pandasaurus, but uh, um, anyway, I, I digress. Uh, Ganshan Cleaver is um, six dice, different colors. Roll them. Pick a die. Roll the rest. Pick a die, roll the rest. Now, there's certain stipulations based on how many dice you keep, and then what you're doing with these dice. You got these numbers, and you're and you've got this sheet, and there's uh, I believe six six different compartment areas, if you will, based on the colors, and you're marking off the number that you rolled. But the thing is, is as you keep marking off these numbers, all of a sudden you get to areas where they have special abilities, like they will allow you to pick yet another die in the die pool to add onto your sheet that you're marking off, and to really visualize it, you have you know I'd recommend checking it out maybe through Board Game Geek or going to uh, Schmidt Spiel that publishes it just to see you know what the sheet looks like in these little compartments because every compartment does something different. Um, but then you know there's yellow, blue, orange, red, purple, and uh, well there's a white color but that ties in with blue. Um, but I, as as uh, you maybe suspected by now, I, I enjoy it just because of uh, what I, how I'm explaining it. But I, I played it twice. Highly recommend it. Fast game plays and plays easily under an hour, up to four players. Uh, just fantastic game. Really, really, really cool game. Amazing game with dice. Easy to do. You could actually, you know, you could even go as far as uh, laminating the sheets so you don't have to, because it's, it's a tear pad that comes with it. So you could laminate sheets and use a, a grease pencil or something or, you know, like that. So that way you don't go through so much paper. 
but uh, um, kind of in the phenomenon of rolling rights these days, but inexpensive. I think it was, I think it was between 10 and 20 bucks. Um, I had to order it from Germany because you can't get it here in the States yet. So that's, that's the only offside to it right now. I don't know if, I don't know, uh, Alan or, or Patrick, if you've heard of anybody that's going to be picking it up, I know that there's quite a few publishers looking at it, but I don't know if anybody's going to print it here in the States um, or if it's just going to come here direct, but great little game. Well, who, who uh, does it? Uh, Schmidtspiel. Well, I think Schmidtspiel has some kind of deal with uh, one of the companies. I forget which. I I know they used to have a deal with Hansburger or something like that, who then got bought up by another company, I think Plan B. Okay. So they might be part of the Plan B network. Okay. Because I know they bought like three or four German companies at one time, including uh, Eggert Spiel. Yeah, and just to reiterate again, it's the 2018 Spiel de Jarisch nominee. And for folks that aren't familiar with what that is, uh, it's a fairly prestigious award that you can win for your game uh, that comes from Germany. Uh, there is stipulation, though, the games have to be available and pretty much made in Germany. Um, yeah, if they're not made in Germany, they have no chance of being nominated. Right. And uh, um, so that, you know, that's, uh, but that award is um, fairly. That's the most prestigious award, I think, in yeah, board Yeah, it's very coveted. Uh, you know, it's like win winning the Wimbledon, if you will, or any other prestigious event. Uh, it's a nice trophy to take home. And it puts a, puts a nice little nugget on your on your resume as a designer or publisher. So generally when you win that, uh, your game sells out really fast. <laughs> so, or is put on the... Well, but they, they get a piece of the action for if you put the Spiel de Jar winner or runner-up on your box, you have to pay them. Oh, really? Okay. Well, it makes sense. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> well, it just it made me laugh when I found that out because it's not just an award. It's kind of like an award but you got to pay for it <laughs> so you got to license your you have to license your reward from them <laughs> so <laughs> which you know to um i don't know do you have any idea i mean is are we talking that's a ridiculous cost or is it something that because the board game industry isn't a highly affluent industry so um i mean it, it's a decent sum i mean I just heard some other people talking about it that their game had won one of the awards, but they wanted so much money for it. And when the dollar and the euro are not close together and the euro is way stronger, it hurts because everything's in euros. Uh, well, that's a that's a shame. And I didn't I didn't know that. So thank you for uh, enlightening me on that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> what else have you gotten to play recently? Uh, recently, well, uh, still continuing my uh, campaign with uh, Gloomhaven, and uh, finally leveled up my current character, enjoying it as I go along. So my character's level three, but I haven't uh, retired it yet. So uh, that's I'm sure uh, to happen in the near future. Um, but uh, Gloomhaven being a, a board game RPG, uh, Euro style, uh, there's no dice involved. Um, 
I highly recommend the game. I know it's still sitting, I want to say it's still like 11,000 plus reviews sitting at a 9 out of 10 on on uh, on Board Game Geek, which is just mind-blowing to, to think that and know that. Um, but it is, for uh, all intents and purposes, one of the one of the better ones out there. Uh, it's a little deeper, a little longer. It has a bit of a legacy in it, where meaning that things do change, some rules, maybe your characters change and things like that. So you have to be prepared for that. You don't get to be comfortable with the same character for a long period of time. Um, but uh, the group I'm playing with, we're just we're, we're having a blast with it. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, Alan and I have both played it, and I think we mentioned in the last episode, but you've obviously gone a lot farther than we have. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, uh, it's a, you know, I don't know at this point, there's so much content to it. Uh, You know, we're playing it once every two weeks, so I, you know, I might be like 70 years old by the time I'm done with it, but, uh, (laughs) 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 but, uh, at the same time, at least we're having fun for now, you know? Yeah, well, I saw on your list you also had played Dragon Castle, and I know that just got released here in the States. So how was that Dragon one? Dragon Castle, it's... Um, you can say stinks. <laughs> right? No, it's a lighter affair. The rules were a little vague on... A, uh, a, now, I haven't looked at the FAQ or anything, but out of the box, out of the box, learned and played. And so, you know, forgive us if we missed something in the rules, but it felt like the rules were missing something for us. And I was sitting playing with uh, two experienced gamers, so we played a three-player game. And, uh, you know, kind of passed the rules back and forth. It's a quick quick read and learn. Uh, It maybe maybe took 15, 20 minutes to kind of poke through the rules to make sure sure we're all on the same page. Um, But, you know, it gives you direction on how to it's a tile um a tile placement game you know that you kind of build these this castle setup a bit like mahjong if people have played mahjong out there it it has a little bit of that feel to it because you're you're literally picking a tile from a certain location and then you get to either pick another tile or you get to do there's like four different actions you can do uh one it's funny it says you have all these actions to do but then the one action says you can't do do this particular action till the very end of the game. So really you have three actions you can do. And then at the end of the game, there's a fourth possible action that you can um, participate with. I did incorporate what they call spirit cards and dragon cards. Um, They were, (coughs) we'll just say we played a little bit later at night. So at first, uh, it was a little confusing to recognize the difference, and it might have just been because we were tired, but um, uh, the difference that you had to look at the artwork closely to recognize the difference. It, it wasn't distinguishable between the two types of cards. It didn't recommend to play with these cards, but we did anyway. One was um, an in-game continuous bonus action that you could do on your turn, and the other one, the dragon cards, were in-game additional bonuses that only triggered at the very end of the game for all players. And we played the game um, uh, maybe a half hour, 40 minutes after learning, which took us like 15, 20 minutes. I I was uh, uh, going through the rules. And overall, my experience is it wouldn't be a go-to game for me. I wasn't 
it, it was enjoyable only because of the tactile um, play. It would be something I would I would teach to. It's almost a it's almost kind of an an entry level game, and it would be something I would teach to people to see if they like it. But it isn't something that I particularly cared for or grabbed me. Just to be sure, that was okay. That was Dragon Castle, right? Correct. Yep. It's a it's a it's a decent like entry level game. Uh, it wasn't for it just wasn't totally for me. I would if somebody asked me to play, I would play it, but it isn't something I would keep on my shelf as as part of my collection or a go to game. Now, for those of you at home that don't know it, Brian is incredibly nice and won't say he thinks this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and just for those of you listening, Patrick has no problem saying that. <laughs> so, and and Alan Alan has to. So, uh, you know, we're we're Alan's the glue. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you guys boil me down and make glue out of me. Well, you know, uh, no, it, it, overall it's, uh, uh, yeah, just like I said, it, it wasn't a game for me. What? Well, I also saw you had Tava Rua down mm. on there. Now that one, I can just say right, right off the bat. Now, uh, I love Cody to death, the designer, but, uh, um, uh, did not like that game. That's just a real quick <laughs> and easy tile laying game, right? No, no. Uh, that's um, a it's a it's a surfing game. It it felt oh, like it okay. Needed, yes, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking something yeah. different. My bad. It now maybe maybe I'm I'm quick to judge on that one. We that was another one where we played we played uh, a little later in the evening. Um, it was very fiddly, and for those that may not know what that means, I mean, you know, take the word fiddly. It was it was just there was a lot of questioning going on to some of the rules, how things played, moving certain components in the game, which makes a game fiddly uh, when you're trying. It, it didn't have a very uh, fluent movement to, to the game. Um, so, you know, it, it, it did simulate surfing to a point. It was fun to look at. It was fun to play with the pieces. Uh, it just felt like it was, like, Patrick, you said... Um, Earlier, you know, certain games, they it feels like they're about ninety percent complete. This game felt like it was maybe seventy-five percent complete. Like it just needed a little bit more development time, maybe a little bit more exposure. Um, but you could see where the designer was going with it. You could, it was fun to a point, but then it just, uh, it kind of, it fell, it fell, uh, it crashed into the rocks for me with the waves. But uh, um, I. Well, I, I probably liked it better than you okay. did because I actually ordered it from Kickstarter yeah. and I love the water and the ocean. So for me, it was one I wanted to play. It was harder to get other people to play yeah. it, but I thought the game played pretty well. It was the end of game scoring, like your short board and your long board and that okay. was it. So it just seemed kind of like 60% of the game was just kind of fluff that though it was interesting to do, didn't really do anything for your end of the game score. Well, I'll tell you when I played, I, I really kind of got into the sim aspect of a surfer, if you will. I thought, what would a surfer do? <laughs> and I literally paddled all the way out to the highest level and sat there 
And the other guys I was playing with literally had one run. Um, I think they were going for long boards on each. So, well, one person bailed, uh, which is another way to score, but you don't get the shore points. Um, but the other two came in on their long boards and then they're already out paddling out for uh, more runs on their long boards. And I still had not gone yet. And I paddled all the way out and I just waited patiently. And it was, it felt like I was actually surfing. I, I felt like, you know, this is what a surfer would do. Just sit on the wave, wait for that perfect, that perfect wave. And that's what I did. And when it came in, I ended up winning the game overall. And that was with my short board. Um, I had the highest score uh, with the short board. Um, I won that trophy. And then there's, um, and then I won the overall champion trophy. There's three trophies that you can win. Uh, but uh, overall still, I, I just, there was something missing there for me throughout the entire experience of the game. Even knowing I won it, it, uh, there was just something not not connecting for me, um, except for that one piece I mentioned where I literally felt like I was just that surfer waiting for the the right wave, Mon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were parts that I liked, but I agree. It kind of seemed almost like if he'd play tested it with a few different groups, he would have been able to make yeah, it better. Yeah, I could see a, a, a V2 coming out, uh, maybe an update to the rules, really. But uh, uh, did you find, did you find like the the what i want to call it the um oh the conveyor of the waves and the dice did you find that a little fiddly for when you played the first time through did it feel yeah i mean once i kind of looked at the dice because I, I got to play it like three or four okay. times and realized that on average you should be at this point if you really want to catch a wave more often than others you know, because there was just the, the law of averages. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's uh what do they call it? The, um, the channel and there's, there's channel levels of one through six. And then you roll these six dice and then you put the, the dice out there, you know, per channel up to the sixth channel. And then you paddle out and then you, there's a certain procedure that you can hop on wave and then write it back. And then you play these cards to help you, move forward and backward on your board. In the meantime, there's, I don't remember what they call the crash cards or the break cards or whatever they were. And you flip that card, which dictates, you know, a little bit of stability or instability. Uh, what did it for me though, is I caught, I caught a couple of, uh, uh, I caught a couple of good waves, the uh, curls. I caught a couple of curls on my, on my short board ride, which gave me some amazing points, but uh, um that was that was fun. That was kind of cool. And then, of course, we kept humming Hawaii Five O uh, throughout the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it it just seemed like there was a lot of randomness in terms of the wave that you got, yeah. and that was really how you got points was getting better oh, waves. Yeah. yeah, the further out you paddle, I mean, it's you know you catch the better wave and catch a curl, and you guessed right on the curl based on longboard, shortboard. And uh, if you did that, I mean, that was five points for just catching a curl. So, um, but for me, I, like I said, it just, it fell short a little bit. And, I, you know, it's one of those games I would give it another play just to see, but I really feel like it needs, um, uh, needs just a little love uh, to the development time and the rules, uh, a little bit of an improvement. Okay, well... What games are you guys looking forward to? Alan, I know you've ordered a bunch of stuff off Kickstarter, and we both got the email saying the Island of El Dorado ship. That's correct. And uh, I was actually just looking at 
a lot of stuff that I'm, I've got that I've backed. Um, I'm looking forward to Endeavor Age of Sail. Um, saw that it is a reimagining or a reprint of the original, which I, I have never played, but I definitely am looking forward to it. Um, there's the expansion for Zaya, Embers of the Forsaken Star. But uh, I never got the I never got the the cell sword ship, so I I've got that one coming, and then I, I back the expansion. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to the island of El Dorado. Um, it it looks good. It looks very nicely made. Um, so we'll we'll see how it goes. I've got a couple other things that are set to to deliver or at least i hope they deliver soon um we've already yeah well i've been getting a lot of a lot of updates on kickstarter of you know you have to give us your shipping address right, right. so so hopefully that means it's coming soon <laughs> yeah of course you know fireball island is coming we'll we'll be It'll be a little while. Well, we'll get it sometime this summer, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I don't think that they said that they will be ready by July, but we'll see. I forget what they ex the uh, I forget what. Well, I know they're bringing the their like demo copy to the Dice Tower, the Dice Tower, yeah. Con. So we'll at least be able to see it. I imagine though it's, it's fun. It's a it's a it's a fun uh, restaurant. It's really good. Okay. Well, Alan, anything else you're looking forward to? Um, I also backed uh, Sorcerer from uh, from the same guys that did Star Realms and Hero Realms. So I'm I'm looking forward to hmm. seeing yes White, White Wizard. Wizard. Um, hmm. Looking forward to seeing who. How that one comes out? It's a it's a bigger box game, so it's not it's not like their their small game that uh, <clears throat> it's not like the fifteen dollar base game. It it was uh, a little over eighty dollars for the for the game itself, the way I backed it at least. So we'll we'll see. Um, as far as Kickstarter Kickstarters that are out there. Um, or, well, hold on, I forgot. There's another one that's uh, based on an anime series that I had backed. Uh, RWBY, which is is Ruby. It's a uh, anime series from Rooster Teeth, and my son is a very big fan of that. He and his mom were both uh, big fans of that uh, that anime series, and so they've got like a battle, you know game that's coming out of that so that'll be here shortly i imagine within the end and uh we've already talked about the enigma box and all that but there's a couple things on kickstarter that have caught my eye i think <laughs> but you know that that always happens what what are you looking forward to um well, there's quite a few Kickstarters that I have that I'm waiting for. I mean, the Island of El Dorado and 
hopefully I should be getting Metal Dawn and Radiant pretty soon. Um, one that's live on Kickstarter right now called Orc Quest Warpath, where you're basically a pack of orcs doing a dungeon crawl fighting against the humans. That one just made me laugh when I looked at it, so I, I had to order it. Um, when this airs, it'll, I mean, it ends June 7th, so this is going to probably air the day or two before it, it goes uh, ends, but that one looked interesting. But the game Steamroller, I'm trying to get a copy of that and not have it cost me like $100. I, I didn't it's supposed to be another really good roll-and-write game. Oh, okay, hmm. Did you see uh did you see Neverland Rescue by Scott Alms? Scott Alms is from the uh the Epic Tiny Epic series. I forget what the name of the company is. Why can't it's it was that the is that the little box yeah, one? games? Gameland games, yes. Scott Scott Alms is the main yeah, okay. and it's it's just a, a little two player game, so it's nothing. Well, I know my daughter Molly bought it, so I'll probably get to play it. But uh, and of course, I don't really know much about um, it. It looked it looked a little uh, lighter. I um, I took a look at the the Kickstarter campaign. Um, did it? Is that is that? Uh, it's am I accurate in saying that? A little yeah, bit lighter. It's, it's small. It's, game? It looks light. It's a asymmetrical two player game. Um, one player is playing Peter Pan and the other player is playing uh, Captain Hook. It, you know, it's it's around forty five minutes. Okay. So it's not, you know, it's not too light. I imagine if it's, I wouldn't want to more of a, play a lot of fam- for forty five. More of a family friendly game, then you'd say. Yeah, uh, I would. I would say it's more family friendly. And speaking of family friendly, of course. It looks like IDW has bought everything that they can from Nickelodeon at this point, because uh, there's a SpongeBob SquarePants Splat Attack game that is got a couple days left, but uh, not something that will be seen my backing. I hate to say that, but. Hmm. Uh, there's maybe one, on a convention shelf. Maybe on a convention <laughs> shelf. There's another Catalyst Games has got another Shadowrun game that's coming out, and it's on Kickstarter. And it, you know, anytime I see Shadowrun, it kind of catches my eye. I always love the uh, the Shadowrun world as far as an RPG is concerned, and so. I mean, we'll see how it goes, but uh, never got never got too far into the Shadowrun um, deck builder because it just there were, there was a couple things about it that that were a little fiddly. So I would agree with that. Yeah. Um. You know, you you start to discover certain certain companies. Uh, have a little bit more fiddly rules. So I'm trying to I'm trying to find out with with this uh, Shadowrun. It looks like it's a worker placement. Which, if that's the case, it might might not be too bad. But uh, you know, I'll have to look into it more. Um, Brian, 
I know you put Gugong the Forbidden City down on yours. I know I backed that on Kickstarter. Yeah, is that is that are you um are you just taking a uh, a poke at that and how you pronounce that or is that actually how you I have yet- I have no idea. <laughs> I mean it, it could be wildly done. I'm pronouncing it American <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Well, oh, forgive, us, some... forgive us, out, uh, the folks out there, if we're slaughtering this name. But uh, yeah, Guang, uh, Gugan, uh, Kaigon, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, so that's one. I'm, it was the Forbidden City. I'm not quite sure. I didn't follow it close enough to figure out or to understand why they had to change the name. It probably, you know, copyrighted or uh, meshed up with something else already out there that had that title. Um, but yeah, it's a worker placement game. Um, uh, that is, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for, for that game. Um, they're the same people, and I've talked about this before, but they're the same people that did uh, Pixie Queen, uh, which is about a, you know, in the, in the realm of gaming, it's a, uh, a, a medium-challenged type of Euro uh, game for folks. Uh, and I shouldn't say challenge, but challenging. Um, and then uh, Guang or Gugong or, yeah, that game. Um, which it was a lot easier to say the Forbidden City, uh, but uh, uh, it's just another one in the series, and I'm I'm excited for. Looks great. I've seen plenty of reviews on it, and I love worker placement, and I love a little bit of a heavier uh, challenge to my games. So pretty excited for that one. Okay, what else did you have that you were looking forward to? Well, once again, I know I've brought this up before, but uh, Brook City, uh, it's just scratching that right itch. I've uh, Adam and Brady Sadler have. A game out there now. They're the designers of Brook City, um, and they made uh, Street Masters. And I've talked about this a, a few times. Just fantastic game. It is a a brawling game, but it has it has. If you're a Sentinels of the Multiverse fan, if anybody out there has played that, I'm you know I know uh, uh, it's a pretty popular game, but it has that feel. And I think I think it's um it's a little tighter. It's a little bit more accessible. Uh, for Street Masters, and so they they're using that similar engine or the same engine from Street Masters, if you will, with some enhancements. And Brook City is a a buddy cop, so Tango and Cash, or uh, you know Miami Vice, or anything. You know that that's kind of the inspiration that they that they had when designing this game. So you're just out, you know, pounding the streets and and solving crimes, kind of thing. But there's a little bit of crossover from a couple characters from Street Masters that'll be in Brook City. But that's one I'm I'm excited for that will be out next year, and it's from an up and coming publisher, uh, Blacklist Games, and they they've done themselves really well. First time out, I was super impressed with with that. So that helps too uh, when I saw Brook City. Besides the fact that I, that I really enjoy Adam and and Brady's uh, designs, but um, so that that just kind of all fell into me, or fell into the uh, the realm of me um, really wanting that game and backing the game, and it it, it reads well. The rules do, um, but uh, uh, that one's uh, ended on Kickstarter. Did well, I believe they still have a late open pledge. But um, if you're into you know a, a good miniature based cop game, if you will, but it's it's kind of like solving crimes, right? With uh, with a um, uh, card management and uh, some just some fun, exciting combat that's involved. There's some dice involved. So if you like that style of gameplay, I know we've talked about to, uh, Shadows of Brimstone, which is, of course, in a different realm, different theme. Um, but if, 
<laughs> for sure. What is but, uh, what shadows of brimstone? I have no idea. It's this okay. game. It's my just bad. My game. bad. I did... <laughs> if if you talk about it too much, a portal will open up and unfortunately will consume you. Um, so we should just yeah. Shadows of Brimstone, amazing game. Alan and Patrick can talk to you about it for months on end. Um, so. <laughs> but with that, uh, you know, another game I'm looking forward to uh, that's, that'll be out next year. So hopefully you can jump in on it now for a late pledge um, or look for it, hopefully to hit uh, retail stores uh, sometime, I don't know, around Gen Con or Grand Con, uh, August, September of next year. Now, how does it play? Have you ever played the one by Common Man Games? Is it Police Precinct? Yeah, oh, boy, that's an old boy. That's a blast from the past, Patrick. That's actually, that's actually one of the. That was one of the first, uh, first games I like when I got back into the hobby. That was one of the first major Kickstarters that I backed. Um, it will play different. It's, um, it's definitely going to have. It has a a character base hand management system so every character that you choose to play in brook city let's say they have a dozen different characters so you choose a character and that character will come with its own set of cards uh similar if you will to sentinels um out there but so it'll have have its own set of cards which dictates its uh that character's strengths and or weaknesses um and then you will work as a team uh, to solve crimes going around. Now you can probably play this in uh, just story mode or campaign mode or solo. Um, so depending on how you want to play, and, and of course you're you're out there trying to thwart or take down the crime boss is the main goal of the game. But um, uh, it it plays with you know when you interact, you're going to confront somebody. There's uh, car chase scenes. There's uh, foot chase scenes. Um, you you know you might have to do a certain type of interaction to get through a door, you know, that's locked or whatever. Um, but it all has, you know, hey, I got to play these cards to help me advance through this portion of the game. And then you roll dice to resolve combat and various uh, skill checks while playing the game. So, um, you know, that's from a real uh, kind of vanilla description. But the game itself, just the the flavor of the game, of what you're doing, I, I would definitely say it's 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 above and uh, far and above uh, Police Precinct. Police Precinct's a different style of game. Um, you know, the, the comedy of Police Precinct was always when you could eat a donut as a police officer to enhance your skills. That was pretty comical. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Well, because I, I liked that one, and it was really one of the few police officer games that was actually fun yeah, to play. Yeah, this one, Brook City, is right there, too. Uh, it looks... The same feeling that I had about Police Precinct when it came out, geez, what did that come out in 2012? Um, the same feeling I had about that game, which I enjoyed it. There was a couple little snafus through the production. Uh, the compass got mixed up, and you got had to get a new sticker and change that. And a few other pieces were a little goofed. Uh, but that game was that game was in, it was it was fun when it came out. Uh, by by all means, Brook City is. Um, I mean, it's been. You know, if it came out in 2012, we're talking six years. So graphically, mechanically, everything is just a huge improvement over Police Precinct. So I, I'd, recommend, I'd recommend it. 
I'm just I'm just now getting over this whole thing that really donuts do not increase your capabilities as a as a cup. <laughs> I mean, it depends, right? If you have jelly or if you have cream. I mean, it just depends on what. So. Oh, so Alan, I I took your mojo when I took that donut oh, you today. Definitely that took had my the, mojo. Thank you very much. Took the only cream filled <laughs> donut. Like, come on. Oh man, and and that that just snuffed out all your mojo. Yeah, that's why that's that's why I lost an acrony. It was had nothing to yeah. do with my inability to, <laughs> to know the rules yeah. and read the rule book at the same time of playing. Right. Well, I mean, and police precinct had the other. It was it, it always had these uh, alert systems where you know thugs would pop up at a corner and you had to pound down the thugs and keep them at bay at a certain corner and then you and it was kind of a balancing act where uh, brook city is more of an adventure if you will so you actually have goal-oriented you know you're driven by goal-oriented things rather than area control uh which was at at its root was police precinct it was a lot of area control with with some light goals that you had to accomplish Well, so I know I was talking about that uh, that Shadowrun game. It's called Shadowrun Sprawl Ops, and it is hmm. listed as a worker placement area control. And um, when's that supposed to come out? The Kickstarter for it is saying is saying you asked me too soon. Uh, it should be delivering. There's 15 days left on the on itself, and the delivery date should be sometime in this email. Estimated delivery October 2018. That's correct. That is correct. Yeah, so, that's what I'm. That's what I'm seeing now. Okay, so they're getting it ready for Essen. Well, did you see Posthuman Saga is is on there too? Posthuman came out a while ago by I, I think it was what Mr. B Games. Uh, yeah, I believe didn't, so. Didn't they have it? And I think whoever is doing the Posthuman saga has gone out on their own because it's not. It doesn't. It's mighty look, Mighty Boards. Mighty Boards, yeah. So they don't have anything to do with Mr. B this this time around. Well, for those that don't know it. The UK Gaming Expo was this weekend. It's ending today, so we should have some information on a lot of the hot new games that got shown off there. And Origins is coming up, and I know our own Brian Lenz is going to be attending. Absolutely, I look forward to it. It's uh, it's one of uh, one of a few of my favorite events. Good time. Well, do you do you go and and help anybody, or do you just go to? It game? depends. Uh, in the past, I've I, I enjoy helping out. So there are times you may see me uh, at a booth and helping folks out. Uh, or um, past couple of years, I have just enjoyed going as an attendee. Honestly, it's a great show to for me. It's getting to see uh, folks like if Alan or Patrick, if you guys, are, it's a great show to just visit with friends. Um, uh, and it's not as overwhelming as Gen Con, so you actually have time to talk and breathe and play some games. Um, so I like to go to uh, to mingle uh, at that show and maybe talk a little shop, a little business. But for me, it's it's kind of just a, it's a little of little of both. But uh, I, I enjoy it for 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 all those reasons above. 
Well, that's cool. And, and Alan, I know you are also mentioning Kodama Duo. Yeah, this one just it just completed on Kickstarter, but with Kodama and its uh, and its popularity, just for the art the art side of the of the game. I imagine this one will be out on retail as well. Um, Kodama was a real nice, uh, cute little multiplayer game with the the tree folk and building the the tree building, and this one's just a two-player game version of it. So if you like the first one, be on the lookout for. Okay, because yeah, I know the first one was a real nice little game, and it was actually yeah, really beautiful. It, it so. is. It is an extremely beautiful game, especially um, after you get done building your tree. You've got the a nice little layout of of your tree, and, and yeah, it's it's pretty. Does that just about wrap it up for us tonight, well, guys? Well, unless you want to talk about Highlander board game. I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Hopefully catch that the next time. Um, uh, but uh, Crisis, the new economy, I was so ecstatic when uh, they rebooted that, if you will, on Kickstarter. They did a run. It did very well. Uh, very tough game to get a hold of, but it's a fantastic worker placement game If uh, set in a dystopian type of world. Um, super excited to get that game. Okay, that sounds cool. Is that Kickstarter still I, running? It or? ended a while back, but I don't, they may still have... Um, what was the no, name of it again? Crisis. Uh, Crisis, the new economy. They may have a late pledge. I don't. It's been a while. Um, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Uh, we could check real quick. Oh, it's by Luda Creations. Right. There and... is a there is a pre order button on the Kickstarter campaign. So if you go to the Kickstarter, you can yeah. you can grab. It. I would. I would. Uh, I would recommend picking up that. Like work placement, it's a it's a little bit on the heavier or challenging side. Um, just and the the theme the theme is always something that's attracted to. I like the kind of the post apocalyptic or dystopian type of worlds. So um, it's it's uh, I was excited for it to be re released. Okay, because yeah, I mean I I love worker placement games for the yeah, most that, part. This one's also so. due out in October, Patrick. So that's not too far from now. So you. Get yourself a copy. Well, I think worker placement is one of the most popular responses that we got on the Facebook page of what's your favorite. I mean, I, I think it's the easiest for people to grok that you put your guy down there and you get something. And for those that don't know what grok is, it's basically to easily learn. Yeah, it, it, or, I mean, and it, and it relates to most of our everyday lives. Put someone in a spot and you say, do this get some of it. <laughs> it's worker placement right um, right, right you know so uh more than you know but the the you go deeper into understanding the engines you can build which when you say engines you know it's how you chain certain actions together with either pieces or cards to create a, a bigger output or payment uh eventually scoring you the most points in the game or that's what you're going after so for folks that are listening in or, or catching this, uh, you know, I know sometimes we we talk the game talk, and so it, it can get a little lost in understanding. But just to clarify that, Brian's redesigning our website. But if you look at 
hobbyboardgaming.com. We do have a whole page just dedicated to different terms for board gaming. And on that note, please feel free to subscribe to us on iTunes or on YouTube. Um, I just want to say thanks to Brian Lenz and Alan Enyart for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Thank and you, Patrick, for having us. Just as a reminder, we're sponsored by Quick Simple Fun Games and the Dice Tower Convention with support from Grand Con. Um, Dice Tower Convention's coming up in about a month, so we may take a week's at that point, maybe two. And Grand Con is in September. What are the dates this year for Grand Con? It is Con? September 14th through the 16th. And uh, uh, if you live in uh, the Midwest, uh, Michigan, neck of the woods, it's not a far drive. I, it's, a, it's a good time, just like Dice Tower Con. So um, I don't have a fabulous pool to entice people, but, you know, I do have Lake Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a reason not to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's Michigan. Uh, we, I'm from Ohio. Are, their, their lakes aren't their lakes aren't filled with alligators. <laughs> well, like that's true. That's true. <laughs> and and just on a on a finer note, for those into craft brewing, Grand Rapids is Beer City, USA, with the number one craft brewer of the world. So, just putting that out there. All right. Well, thanks a lot, everybody, and uh, have a great night, and we'll talk to you again next week.